Welcome to the Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD. Thank you for spending part of your Sunday morning with us if you're listening on the radio, and thank you for spending part of any day if you're listening to us on podcast. I'm Troy Skinner, a host of the Faith Debate and pastor of Household of Faith in Christ online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. And joined in studio once more. This is like our fifth show, I think, on these uh, these related topics. Uh, Elijah Dirksen is here from uh, from Iowa. Iowa. If you build it, they will come. So we built the studio, and he came. It's amazing how that worked. Uh, and he's a seminary student pursuing an MDiv at Woodfield Theological Seminary. And uh, back for some more abuse. Uh, and he keeps coming back. It's been a couple of years now, I think. And he keeps coming back for more. Daniel Rasvi. Uh, he's with a church in Thurmont called the Church That Meets at Imran's House. And uh, they have a ministry called Conquered by Love Ministries. And their website is conqueredbylove.org. We've been talking about Christian nationalism in a general sense and all of the um, hair-splitting kinds of phrases and words have to be defined as a part of that, including theonomy, theocracy, sacralism or sacralism, depending on uh, which side of the Mississippi I guess you live on or something. Um, uh, uh, we talked a little bit about Christianity and Christendom, uh, not a whole lot about that, but we touched on that too, uh, what it means to be a Christian nation, uh, the differences maybe between ancient Israel and, and present-day America and other nation-states, and that sort of, we've, those are some of the issues we've touched on, even brought up Dennis Prager and pornography, that was a hot button right there, lasted about 45 seconds, but woo! We were all blushing. Um, and then last week we began a transition into how all this connects to eschatological views. That's a fancy word. Uh, view of the end times, the, 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 you know, the, uh, the, the end of time as we know it kind of thing. You know, the, the kinds of things that movies are made about, you know, Armageddon and all that sort of stuff. And there are varying positions on that. And it does have an impact on these discussions about uh, how to apply God's law in a uh, present-day context. And uh, Elijah holds to what's called a post-millennial view. Uh, Daniel, we think, probably fits within a historic premillennial view. Uh, I'm, uh, I think I fit best in an all-millennial uh, view and perspective. And so uh, Elijah was making the point that for the uh, post-millennialist, uh, it's really important to figure out these applications of the laws, these theonomy questions, these Christian nationalist kinds of questions, uh, because they need to, uh, you know, well, they meaning... Uh, how do I want to say this? Because I don't want to make it exclusively like they're not Christians. Uh, that portion of the Christian team feels a weight of pressure to bring about the kinds of things that would lead to the way the future is going to play out. So if Jesus isn't going to return until after the millennium, that's the post-millennial view, then we need to put the millennium in place so that Jesus will then return. And if he's in, if the millennium is in place, that means that he, Jesus is ruling as king right. over the whole world, and so we have to figure out how to have the whole world be Christianized, if you will. That might not be the best way of saying that, but that's the idea. And so he, he feels like there's a unique pressure that the post-mill people uh, feel on that that the others don't. And I would agree that the level of the pressure, if you want to call it that, might be unique, but I don't know it, that it's distinctive. I think that all Christians feel some weight of wanting to have a positive influence on culture and politics and That's all true. those sorts of things. Um, but but the, there are specifically people who say don't have an influence on culture. Don't uh, the Hal Lindsays, the don't yeah, polish brass on the. Those would be like the or hardcore the, or the dispensational or the, uh, the Anabaptists by and large are are, are less yeah, involved in government. And we haven't talked about that, but part of this so, and the and kind of the, a phrase that's used for that 
that is two kingdom theology. Correct. So the idea that there's there's the religious sphere and these uh, and the the civil or secular sphere and they're they're like completely unrelated. And so Christians who are part of that religious sphere shouldn't get involved in the other sphere because there's these two kingdoms. They should focus on the kingdom that they belong to now. And uh, it's called pietism, you know, and so they, a lot of them, pietists, they don't vote. They don't serve in the military. Um, they don't advocate for social causes or, you know, you're not going to see a pietist oftentimes doing things that other Christians are doing out in the public space. They're not debating on, on forums, on social media in the same way, usually those kinds of things. And, or if they are, it's about the rapture. Right. <laughs> and I think that, uh, I think that there is a distinction. That's part of what I've been advocating for with this, this fear of blending them too much and, and, and having what's called sacralism or sacralism, uh, take place. But I think putting some sort of iron wall in between the two, um, I, I'm not there at all. So I think they are, they are distinct, but they are never to be separated. So that's how I would phrase it. And the two kingdom people, some of them would, uh, would say they are distinct and should be separated. So I don't go that far. Mm -hmm. So I agree with you that the post mill folks, um, uh, do feel an extra weight of, we've got to build the millennium. So Christ will return. Uh, that's actually probably the aspect of post-millennium uh, views that I find most unattractive to me. Uh, that's Ironically. One of the things I, I, was, I would agree, and maybe for a different reason, to me what's unattractive about that is it implies that we are doing something of our own accord where but we are capable as Christians of building a kingdom that, for Christ here on earth. I, re respectfully, I think that's a huge straw man. No post-millennial is saying we're going to win the kingdom and build the kingdom by ourselves. It's all we're winning Christ. it through Christ. Christ is working through his church, which he's done all throughout history. Right. He, he works through his church to, and his people to bring about his goals. And why would he stop now? So the millennium, we're talking about, you know, the reign of Christ, right? The millennial reign. He's the king. Um, so it's a kingdom. Um, how, what, what, what biblical scriptural arguments does a post mill make to 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 uh are to biblically like not proof texts exactly but what are the biblical arguments to support the idea that the that the church is building this kingdom is partnering the way is partnering with God in building this kingdom well specifically talking about how the church builds the kingdom i think that question goes to you said make disciples of nations. It could, it, the thing that immediately came to my mind is the Great Commission, although I think there, there are others. Um, God is using his church and tasking his church of making disciples of all nations. You said that word is also peoples. That actually makes it more... That, that, that makes it more difficult for the non-post-millennial. It's not just the nations, it's everyone in the nations. Right, wow. so that takes it kind of out of a geopolitical sphere of building up secular governments that are, are no longer secular but religious. But the thing about post-millennialism is we're not creating the governments so that the governments create Christians. We're creating Christians so the Christians create Christian governments. If everyone's a Christian in a nation, you are going to have a Christian government. So do you... So, and, and again, I don't want the questions to start sound cheeky, but you know, I don't want to ramble and 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 try to talk. So I'm going to be a little direct, and it seems like you can take that. So I'm not. This my questions are not accusations; they're legitimately sure. no, questions. No problem for me. So, and I don't know that you speak for all post millennialists everywhere. Probably not. But for those who <laughs> might agree with you, uh, they would say there is or isn't the kingdom of God right now. 
There is. The, the post-millennial idea is, usually it's rooted in the, the pictures like the mustard seed or the, the stone cut without hands of Daniel. It's a kingdom that starts small, and then it keeps growing and growing and growing until it, at last it fills the whole earth. So there's a kingdom now. Yes. And it's not necessarily the same size all throughout right, history. But every kingdom has a king. Correct. <laughs> and, and so we would say that Christ is that king, yes. and he's ruling over that kingdom now. Yes. So he's reigning over his kingdom. How is that not the millennium? It is. So we're in the millennium now. Yes. And I, I think we would agree, wouldn't we? Okay, yeah, I'm trying to figure out where the distinctives are. So, so the amillennial... What part of what I believe are, do you not agree with? So post-millennialism, amillennialism... If he's got a brain in his head, there's lots of things, <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> the, the, honestly, amillennialism is a type of post-millennialism. They're very tightly it, connected. If you want to divide it down to two, it's post-millennialism versus pre-millennialism. Because it all comes down to... When is Jesus coming back, and where is that in relation to the, the millennium? Do you believe that the Jesus could, could come back tomorrow? No. So the, that's a distinctive. Because the, the, re the reason why is because Jesus said, um, well, Jesus used the 110th Psalm. He said, um, the, the Psalm itself says, uh, the Lord said to my Lord, sit to my right hand until I make all of your enemies your footstool. Um, that passage is quoted all throughout the New Testament. It's the, the most quoted passage in the New Testament. And if we go to Hebrews 10, it's a, a citation of that. But what it says is, just while I find it real quick. This is like his live radio or something. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he, he cites that, but he says... We're turning pages. <laughs> pastors like the sound of turning pages. I'm not sure if radio listeners do, but pastors love the sound of turning pages. So what are we looking for now? Uh, for those studying at home and following along and turning your pages, what are we looking up right now? Hebrews 10 verses, uh, starting in... Starting in verse 11, and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which could never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. So I would see the right hand of God is a physical location for the physical body of Jesus Christ. And according to this, he cannot return or leave that position until all his enemies have been made his footstool. And if we go into 1 Corinthians 15, it adds more details. It cites that same verse, but says that position at the right hand of God is where he rules from. He must rule until he has placed all enemies under his feet. And it adds another detail to it and said the final enemy that is defeated is death. So this conquering of enemies is comprehensive to the point where even death is included in that as the final enemy to be defeated. And that's why I... I can't say that Jesus could come back any time because death isn't defeated. His enemies aren't defeated, obviously. See, I don't think, I don't, I think theologically I don't agree. Death has been defeated. Christ defeated death. He demonstrated his victory over death by his resurrection and then ascension to authority. The issue with that is, talking about 1 Corinthians 15, is Paul uses it as a future event. He said... He's going to remain there until his enemies have been made his footstool. And 
he places the defeat of death as the final enemy to be defeated. So is it your understanding then that every, let's say that, uh, you know, I don't know when you think it could happen. I'll go out into the future, a number of years, and there's like 10 billion people on the planet. All 10 billion would be Christians and then Christ will return? Is that what we're to understand? Not necessarily. I, but I think he, so he would still have enemies that weren't his footstool by how you're defining terms, right? I think you can prostrate yourself at, under the authority of Jesus without necessarily being a Christian. I mean, the people in hell are going to be be under the authority of Jesus and subdued as his footstool, but they're not going to be worshiping him or Christians. I think the the defeat of his enemies is them submitting to his authority. So you say there was a future time when 100% of people on earth claimed to be following God. Or they have been destroyed. Or they're, they, in some way or another, have been placed under the authority of Jesus and have been footstooled by him. You're sticking away from the mic sometimes, Sorry. so... <laughs> um, Yes, that is very optimistic, as you say. Yep, but I I can't take it any other way. I I don't I don't know of a way to get around passages like that. So you think that God is not ruling over every aspect of the universe right now? He is, but his enemies are not submitted to him yet. They're still in rebellion. So what do you deal with the final battle that happens after the millennium? Uh, in my mind, all the all the enemies have been subdued at that point. The resurrection happens, subduing death itself to Jesus. As Jesus is coming back, the res so with the resurrection, people get resurrected and bad people get resurrected. So the resurrected armies are the ones that are fighting against Jesus. Those who don't want to go to hell or or whatever. Oh, okay, so. That's interesting. So, so let me make sure I understood that correctly. So when we're talking about the final battle, the, these the are final Gog and Magog. So you're talking. So you would believe that there are resurrected people who are fighting that battle. Correct. Oh, I got to read more. I don't think I've heard that from anybody before <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> wow. Okay. So it's gonna be like a zombie apocalypse. More or less. <laughs> okay, I don't read Revelation anywhere near that way. Now, is that the prevailing post-mill understanding, or is that more of a pocket that you belong um, to? I, I think the prevailing wisdom is that there's going to be a final falling away after everything has been created. Satan's going to be loosed, and then he deceives the nations all around, and it, it, it becomes a final apostasy within history of unresurrected people before the resurrection. But, like, like we're seeing with this chapter, I don't think that, that works with that. Hmm. All right. I have so many thoughts going through my head, but Daniel's been quiet for a little while. So what do you, what do you have? It's, it's interesting to have um, two people disagree with, not with me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you make of, so. so this idea of the partnering thing, uh, that troubles me, troubles me. I, and that's something I would push back against at least because I'm, um, I don't I'm think, a, I don't, to be, in fairness to Roger, I don't think he's defining it as a partnering with Christ. He's defining it as Christ is controlling him basically. And he's following. Just like, what specifically are you talking about? To build this idea that we that the, that the church, the people who are Christians, need to kind of build these oh, no, governments. We're, 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 the the tool, we're the tools in Christ's hand. It's, it's not, not us. It's Christ using us. We're not. God, okay. God is not our co-pilot. He's 
he's the pilot and we're just passengers. He's the driver and we're the car. Yeah. Okay, but he doesn't need us. No. Well, just like he doesn't need us to, right, okay. to save I, I think, people. I either. think God delights to use us, and I think it's a blessing that God uses us to subdue yeah. his enemies. One of the things that I, I don't, you know, I don't find a lot of appreciation for on the post-mill uh, view, which is why I'm more on-mill and not post-mill, is um, it feels like it's diminishing the kingship of Christ in the here and now. Like, we have to wait for him to truly be king. And I think he is truly king now. So am I misunderstanding? I, I would disagree completely. He's Not only is he king now, but his reign is effective in the world now. And I think that's where I think post-millennialism is superior to amillennialism in that point. The, you, you would say it's only effective within the church. I would say God's rulership is effective throughout the earth right now. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it's just within the... I, I think that his, his kingdom is the church, but his rule covers the whole universe. Sure. And I would say right? his, his kingdom is in the earth, and that kingdom is going to have an impact on but the his kingdom, earth culturally. By his, but by his, his own testi testimony, Christ's kingdom is not of this God, earth. God, right? has, God has allowed um, different spiritual entities many of them bad, to be rulers over different geographic areas of Earth. We talk about the Prince of Persia withstood me in, in Daniel, the mm -hmm. angel says, right? Yeah. And I don't get the sense that that has ceased. Until oh, I Christ don't think returns. it has either. And so I, I think there's still those generals of Satan that are controlling where there's this king of America and there's a the king of England and there's a the king of I, I, I would India. say at, at this second, most likely those are still there, but progressively they will be bound in the same way that Satan is bound. They're going to be banished and overthrown. And I guess I would say that Satan's not bound now. Um, and that's where we disagree. Right. Yeah. And we, would, and we actually we agree, agree on that. that, that <laughs> yeah. uh, really, the, the difference between post-millennialism and amillennialism, amillennialism, sorry, can't talk. The, well, that's a hard word to the, say. <laughs> is the nature of the kingdom, what it looks like. The difference between premillennialism and postmillennialism is when the kingdom is. So what happens what? in a post-mill view after the millennial and he returns? Then what happens? Uh, the kingdom is handed to the Father and we go into eternity. The new heavens and the new earth, the, the old heavens and the old earth is purged with fire. We have the new Jerusalem descend and we go into eternity. So you believe in global warming? Yeah. So really I... sudden, catastrophic global warming. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. that new heavens and that new earth, does Christ rule over that? Yes. But it's not called the millennium. No, it, it's eternity. I, I think w we would be in the same camp on this. You, you, you would say that Christ rules in eternity, correct? But you're saying, well, by def I mean, I'm just going by definition of the word parts. Post-millennial, Christ returns after the millennium. Mm -hmm. So the millennium is over, and then he comes. Am I misunderstanding that? Right. No, nope. no. So it's over, and then he comes, and so then there's no longer a millennium. Yeah. Because the millennium's over. So that's what we, we, we go into eternity where he Christ is still ruling. Where he continues to rule over his kingdom. In a new heaven and new earth. Because the former heaven and earth have passed away. So uh, Laj and I agree on this part, that in that case, we're all in, in, in a new heaven and new yeah, earth. Yeah, I, I don't think Jesus stops ruling after his kingdom is done. But he certainly rules in See, his I, kingdom. It, it, his kingdom is never done, though. Or you're saying it is. His kingdom is done? On earth, because no. earth has ended, then the, the kingdom is the, the no specific. On earth. The specific aspect of his rulership that is commonly called the kingdom 
is finished when and he I, hands so over that, all principalities and authorities. See, that's to why God I would disagree. I would not call it the kingdom. I would call it the reign of Christ on earth in a literal, in a physical sense. Which kind of sounds like a kingdom. <laughs> but well, when people say the kingdom, they mean like yeah. the, the church generally, um, and 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 the, the body of of Christ, and that's that continues throughout eternity. For a thousand years, it's here on earth, and whether a thousand years literal or not, it's, for a thousand years, it's on earth, and then the rest of eternity, it's in a new heaven, a new earth. But the kingdom never ceases. I, I'm agreeing with that. I'm not sure if, if Elijah is. I'm agreeing I, I think with that. To, to me, it seems like it's semantics, whether it's the kingdom or the millennium. or mm -hmm. I, I use the terms interchangeably. Yeah, I think practically getting back to kind of what, what brought this all up, the idea, like the uh, my amillennial view, and I don't know that I speak for all amillennialists for that matter, but uh, um, I don't feel any weight of pressure to try to Christianize all of the nations because Christ is already king now. He's going to have his way with the nations, and there is an ultimate future glory that awaits well, those who are trusting in him, and, there is, uh, and there's judgment for those who don't, well, and he's well, got it all covered. I don't, I don't have to try to put a yoke of burden on people who aren't believers uh, that, they, that there's no way they could bear. That's, uh, that's, and it feels like you're feeling like, I guess God's going to open the floodgates so that it won't be a yoke of burden. There'll just be that many Christians where like almost everybody on the planet will be a Christian. I, I think that's, that's I'm partially arguing, true. I'm arguing it's I, not a yoke because there's very few things you're putting on them. Putting the entire law on unbelievers, yeah, that's a yoke. But putting whatever the government's supposed to do in a, the, uh, a theon, theonomic society, my, there's not very many things the government should be doing. My view is the kingdom comes about by making Christians. I, I, I see unprecedented gospel success sometime in the future, whether it's 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now, a million years from now. I, I don't have a timetable on it. It's just, in general, things will progress upwards. And through the Christianizing of the world the nations will be converted. Yeah, I think that what we've seen in history so far and what I see in, in, in the Bible and particularly the book of Revelation is I, I, I see what you just described and I see uh, a decline. I think ascension and decline. I think they're both, I think we see both of them in scripture. I think we see both of them in history. And I think I can actually speak to that either. I think it's a chapter in Second Corinthians where it talks about Christ is always leading us in triumph and through us is dispensing the fragrance of his knowledge throughout the entire earth. And to some, that leads to life, to righteousness. And to others, it leads to death and to destruction. And of course, what happens if, more, if, if people keep getting um, influenced by this knowledge of God to life and the other ones that go to destruction, well, you're going to have more people influenced to life because the ones that are going to destruction are destroyed more and more. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out different what, ways to say the same thing because uh, I'm not sure if I'm fully understanding you, if you're fully understanding me. Whether um, wickedness is destroyed or the church is built, in both situations, Jesus' kingdom and his millennium advances. Yeah, I, I, again, I don't want to come across as cheeky. It feels like it's, uh, when we pressed to try to figure out practical examples, it feels like cherry picking. So, like you used the Roman Empire before. So those lands that were dominated by the Roman Empire, you know, once upon a time, you know, up until somewhere around 15, what, 1600 years ago, whatever it was, um, 
is that land more Christian now or less Christian now? Than when? Than when Rome ruled the roost. You're specifically talking about Europe and North Africa and... Yeah, and Middle Eastern okay. countries. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's a kind of rhetorical question, right? It's overwhelmingly either grossly secular or Islam, right? I mean, the, the, the church is not in a stronger position in that ge geography. But then, you know, you, you'll point out, well, yeah, but look at what's going on maybe in uh, Asia or in South America or something. So, well, so post-millennialism post is huge, big picture thinking. It's not... You can't just look at a specific example and say, well, this specific area is, is worse than it was before. Um, all right. Well, I don't know. Maybe we'll do one more show. We've done a lot already, but if you guys have time, we can try to do one more because I feel like there's some straight threads. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll discuss after this one, see if everybody's going to come back. Uh, the last voice you heard talking before me was Elijah Dirksen. Before that was Daniel Rasby. I'm Troy Skinner. This is the Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD. Till next week, God bless.